0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Manic Movie Misfits Podcast. I am your co-host, Rubik's Cube. Oh, Mr. Cube. I decided to change it up. Yeah. So.
1: Okay, okay.
0: But but then you know your name. Oh, yeah. It's Tom Scarrett. <laughs> it's Tom. Oh, wow. You're looking pretty good, Tom, for being... How old is 80 Tom years old, probably. Yeah, how old is Tom scarett Mr. Dallas? Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Father in... whoever runs through it? Yeah. Mr. Viper? He is... Am I an idiot? He's 88. 88. Whew. You look really good for being 88, Tom scarrett how was you know. how was your experience working with Ridley Scott on Alien? He was he was chill back
1: in the day. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Now now he's kind of an idiot. But
0: what's it like having your what's it like having a co star that is a xenomorph? What what is it? What is the xenomorph co star experience like? It, it,
1: it yeah. At first, the tensions are pretty high. You you look at him and you're just like, <laughs> you're, you're you're gonna attack me? Yeah. But once you get used to it it's, it's pretty nice.
0: All right. That, that's fair. But I, I'm sorry to say this, Tom Scarrett, but you' not you're not the reason we're doing this podcast episode. Oh yeah. yeah. Sorry Tom. The real reason we're doing this podcast is to show off these cool new sunglasses. new. No. These are not new. I've had these a while, but I was gonna say you've had these for years. I've had these for years, but I just randomly dug them back out back out from my closet. For those that can't see. these are sunglasses with money signs on them. Were they on, gold well, glitter. Were they not on the owl? No, I took them off the owl. You took them off the owl? I know, I know. Since when? I don't know. It's It's been tough, man. Yeah. The owl and I have been having our issues. Had to fight the owl. Yeah, I had to fight the owl. The plastic owl that's supposed to scare away geese, but actually really doesn't. No. Yeah. Those things never work. People always put them out. Yeah, whether it's the coyote plastic thing or the wall or the the owl plastic thing, but yeah. they really just don't work. It just yeah. does not work. I was going to say, I think
1: around town, the ones that they had up, I think, I think they took down a few. Cause I, I, I saw them like, I saw a scarcity of them and I was like, this is not normal. Mm-hmm. So I was like dropping someone off at the green belt. And I, I walked up where I usually saw one when we were in cross country and one wasn't there. It was so sad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're just, they're not built we're not built to take on the geese. The geese are they they're an army. They're like Vincent Hanna in Heat, which is the movie that we're going to be talking about today. How is that transition? Oh boy. <laughs> that is the movie of the episode we're going to be talking about. It might be we it might take up the entire episode this conversation about about Heat might not. If it doesn't take up the whole episode, I do have a backup for a very Sauna Sunday-esque subject, but I won't tell TJ what it is yet in case we do get to it. So, without further ado, TJ, let's get into Michael Mann's Masterpiece, or as our friend John's like likes to say, well, he said MMM. I like to say Triple M. This is the Triple M film, Michael Mann's Masterpiece. Yeah. So... TJ, as we always has as we always start with these movie episodes, what is your overall thoughts or give us something that stood out to you on this rewatch, because this is a rewatch for both of us.
1: Yeah, I hadn't seen this in years. On Heat. Yeah. Um so um I mean, like I just said, I hadn't seen this movie in God knows how long, probably like f- three four years well at you're
0: at least well so you're tom scarrett so you're 88 so yeah. you probably saw this what oh in the opening uh, the when it the opened opening, up yeah, right yeah. oh yeah yeah 1995 or yeah. or whatever it came out in oh yeah
1: um but yeah i hadn't seen this in years um i loved it then i think i love it more now um i mean i i remembered most of the plot and all that and like I remember that it's an awesome movie, but the, um, I will say there there was an edge to watching it now where I was just like I love this way more than I did years ago, and I need to visit this movie more or just Michael Mann movies more because I
0: mean goddamn it's amazing. Yeah, I had the exact same experience before. I I my initial thoughts of the movie were my thoughts on the movie were. It's good. I understand why people consider it an abnormal thriller or a a unique thriller. Mm -hmm. I understood that. And I was like, okay, it's good. It's great. Then we we rewatched it with a couple of our friends. Emerson and John, who the podcast members or podcast followers actually do know because they've been on the pod before. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with this movie just from beginning to end. It... I've had with between this and this movie rewatching it and and Apocalypse Now, this year's a good year for me as far as falling in love with movies because this film is it's and we'll get into it is fantastic and those qualities that make it abnormal make it stick out and make me grapple to it more than a lot of other thrillers that I do really like. I love thrillers because thrillers are often accompanied by action and action movies are basically my one of my favorite genres. And so, yeah, I think all that combines together to make me love it as much as I do and I think it is a perfect film. I, I gave it a 5 out of 5 on Letterbox. I kind of jumped the gun talking about it at the end, but I was going to say it at some point here shortly. I think it is a perfect film. At least for what it, – it it's perfect in what it's trying to go for, and it, it clearly accomplishes that in every way. Yeah. So I think without further ado, we can get into the fact that it is an abnormal thriller. And one of the things that I wrote down here that, that kind of came across with me, and we kind of talked about this as a group, and we paused it once or twice, people that use the restroom and stuff – is that it goes into the individual character's background and personal life more than a lot of other thrillers really tend to do. Because a yeah. lot of thrillers, it's more of like, okay, maybe we'll give you some surface-level background. He has a kid that he has to, I don't know, that he has to support, so he has to do this or something like that or or whatever. There's lots of stories like that in thrillers. But this, it's more. It's not just surface. It's actually going deeper into why the characters are doing what they're doing, yeah. what their life has been like, and it isn't. And it's also not a a um a telling thing where a character will sit down for ten minutes and say, you know, I've had three or, or I've had uh, you know whatever go on in my life that has affected me. Like he's not just sitting somewhere and, and going through his resume, going through whatever. We we uh, we gradually see all of the the issues and the the trials that the characters that specifically when I mean characters I'm specifically talking about Neil Macaulay Vincent Hanna and Val Kilmer's character which I can't remember the name of I can pull I can find it right here Val Kilmer Chris is his name so yeah so that is really nice and it also. It just, it it makes the film more intimate for, for, for viewership. Did you, how did you feel about that whole bit, TJ? I, I, and also, and I don't know about you, TJ, maybe, maybe you've seen another one, but now that I'm kind of thinking about it, there really is not, there's not many thrillers that do what this film does, but also excels at it the way this film does with, with how intimate we do get with the characters.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think that, that like the 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 way that it's able to go into everyone. I mean, it's I think is not a testament for its runtime cuz I mean the movie's what almost it's like 10 minutes short of 3 hours or yeah, something. Yeah. That's fair. Um so it has time to kind of play around in that department. Um that being said, for me this movie does not feel like 3 hours. I feel like this movie is like like this movie feels like an hour shorter than it actually is, which is really weird cuz we watched this and Predator 2 in the same day. And I felt like this movie was shorter than Predator 2. Um, that being said, uh, being almost three hours, you have time to uh, sit down and kind of analyze characters and truly write a character kind of in, a, in more of an action movie setting because, I mean, most action movies uh, are like thriller action movies. like Like I said, you get characterization. You get like, oh, he's this type of trope. And that's pretty much it in the grand scheme of things. Um, Like, think of, like, John Wick. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, you take that versus, like, De Niro, um, where it's just, like, John Wick, he's had three movies, so he's, like, had more runtime than, like, De De Niro has. Um, His whole characterization is his wife die, he's an ex-assassin. That's all you need to know. Yeah, where with uh, someone like uh, De Niro, where it's like it's still an action movie, or it still has like big action movie feel at times. Um, I mean, it takes like a, a good amount of time to like develop him and like say, "Hey, here's who he is. Here's what he believes in. Here's his ideologies as a criminal." And it does the same thing with Pacino as like the cop, and I think it's awesome.
0: I love it. Yeah, you bring up a good point, which is that not only do they dive into the individual backgrounds, but the individual backgrounds are actually complicated. Like, there mm-hmm. is a lot to them. It's not like, as you said, John Wick, which is just like, as you said, his wife died, vengeance, whatever, all that stuff, his yeah. dog dies, stuff like that. But, yeah, so I think that is that is a really important point. And so I think when you when you have those backgrounds, you really start to especially when the action kicks up around or, well, you have the, you have the, obviously the, basically what is the opening action scene. Mm-hmm. And then you have 45 minutes to an hour, 45 minutes, basically where we get these back, a lot of background being developed with these characters. Yeah. And then you have the action heat up, but when you have that background, which includes stuff like the diner scene, which we'll get to, cause that's a big piece in this film and is one of the most, like dare I say, most iconic moments it in, in movies in the at least the last thirty oh definitely in the last thirty years. Oh yeah it's 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 easy it's easily one of the pinnacle things of like here's how you write
1: a scene. If you watch the heat diner scene, it's it's acting and it's writing at it some of its like all time best.
0: Right. It it's that and then it's also just the fact that we have De Niro and Pacino in the same room oh, yeah. and they're like Well yeah. Yeah. Um
1: yeah, them the face to faces, it's crazy regardless of what movie you're watching it in.
0: Yeah so yeah so you have you have all that background and then when the action kicks up and stakes start start getting higher it really creates an illusion and you do really kind of get lost in everything and i think that isn't a testament to like you said teacher, how you thought this movie was an hour less than it actually was because you're yeah. invested in, you're you're really just in this illusion with them you're in this world with them yeah and you don't even realize it yeah which i think is again it's it's an testament to how well all of that, that comes together.
1: Yeah. Very few movies do that for me. Like, I think this mm-hmm. and like fantastic Mr. Fox, the movie feels like 40 minutes to me. Yeah. Um, like very few movies do it. Like everything else, like it feels it's two hours, but honestly for me, it feels like it feels like two and a half. Like every, everything feels longer than it actually is except for this movie. Like, like very few. And they, I I think that's a good thing and I like it. Mm-hmm.
0: So, Also, shout out as far as creating that illusion. I'd also like to shout out the editing because that is that is what Michael Mann films are known for is their editing and the way they're shot Mm -hmm. that you can trace that back all the way to the iconic Miami Vice show, which I've said before is revolutionary television because it was pretty much the first television show shot like a film, like a film would be shot. And so you can literally compare that show to, in fact, every other movie that he's made. As far as how things like that are are created and 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 made, so anyway, we talked about we talked about De Niro and Pacino a little bit, and without further ado, I think we should just get to the what the, the elephant in the room, which is the diner scene, which is what we just yeah. referred to. Yeah, yeah, and on this rewatch, I watched it the first time, and I was like, okay, this is this is good. I'm engaged. This is like. Am I even living right now? Is this even a thing that I'm watching? And I still felt that way. I was like, this is literally two of the most iconic actors in the last 50 years or whatever, 40, 50 years. Like these guys have been the Godfather movies.
1: Yeah. Two of the greatest of all time.
0: Scarface, Deer Hunter, like gosh darn, every Scorsese film under the sun for De Niro pretty much. So it was, I still couldn't believe it even after the second time. I don't think I'll ever get over that. Oh no, it's awesome but you from this pairing you get this masterclass in acting and mm-hmm. i think what i kind of discovered on this rewatch for my first time or for my my second time watching this film is the way the 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 emphasis and the meaning and the purpose behind every single second and every single movement I looking away from the care from the opposing character the every single piece of dialogue the way the dialogue is emphasized, emphasized everything mm. has purpose it's not a look away from De Niro or a look away look away from Pacino or in this case look away from Hannah or look away from Macaulay just because there's actually a purpose behind it in setting up the tone and the similarities the dissimilarities mostly similarities but but the, the makeup of these characters and the way they interact with each other, the, like I said, just that one look away or that one maybe shrug of a shoulder or kind of tilt of a shoulder is impactful and powerful. It is – I mean, what can you say except it is a master class mm. in acting and, yeah. as you said, dialogue writing because it is.
1: Yeah, um, I mean – Even before I'd seen this movie the first time, that that it's a it's a scene that everyone's like, if you want to learn how to like write good dialogue, it's a it's a scene to watch. Like, if you're, I feel like it's one of those ones. Like, if you're in a screenwriting class, you're gonna watch it. It's like Twelve Angry Men and stuff like that, where it's just like, here's how you write tension in a scene. That it's it's the hero meets the bad guy, but like. Oh, uh, it, it, but it, it's it's just them talking. Right, it, it builds tension and it builds like a connection between them. Um, there's still, it, it, in ways that just like it, it's it's so good because it's just like it's. I mean, and and that's partially like a testament to like the people who made it. I mean, you mm-hmm. got Michael Mann directing it, and you got Pacino and De Niro, like you just said. Who I mean two of the most like greatest of all time actors there is are just in general. I mean, um, they've carried Hollywood for, God, like 50 years, of, pretty much like a piece and don't
0: waste my mother
1: effing time. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: we'll get to his Pacino's
1: performance. I love Pacino. Uh,
0: and later, a little later, but yeah. yes.
1: Um, but yeah, the, I mean, two of the greatest of all time. They're awesome. And to see them f- for the first time face to face in movies, cause I think they're in what? Three movies together
0: mm Hmm. There's. Are, are you Are you including Godfather Two as well in that? No, because they don't share a scene in Godfather Two, but they're yeah, both in Godfather Two. I'm doing ones where they're face to face. Okay. Yeah. So like
1: truly face to face. Yeah. So yeah, because I think it's um, where they're face to face. It's uh, Heat, The Irishman, mm-hmm. and then there's one. I think it's called Righteous Kill. Apparently, it's not that good. Okay. It's really weird because I mean, it's Pacino and De Niro.
0: All I gotta say is. I'm so glad it was this movie that they first met. Yes. Yeah. Because of just the quality of it. Yeah. Um and and, and the makeup of the of the two characters. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um
1: yeah, just like the idea of the plot. Um it, it, it's super cool and like having two big I mean like guys who carry Hollywood to like like leads like such a cool
0: plot. Uh, by such a cool director, I mean it's awesome. I love it. Yeah, uh, one th- we were talking about how abnormal this is, and in fact, this scene really, where it is placed, is kind of abnormal as well. Because usually in thrillers or just a lot of movies in general, really, the two, the the the, the protagonist, the antagonist, really won't meet at least in this way, face to face, till the very end or something like that. It's yeah, a big yeah. reveal. We're waiting. We're it's all tense and everything. We're waiting for them to finally meet up.
1: Yeah. But yeah,
0: these guys meet for the first time within the first hour of the film. is it really is that scene really at the end of like end of the first hour? okay I want to see yeah, I think it is. I think it's it's yeah, it's either at the end of the first hour or the beginning of the second hour, but it's I think it's really close in there because I was trying to I keep know. track because remember we we paused a few times people to yeah. use the restroom and i i really i think it is I, don't I could be wrong, it, yeah. but I think it is. I think the diner scene is any anyway bottom line it it's is in the first half it's in the first half and it's not what those other movies would do because they would yeah. reserve that for Later. the end yeah so to see them come together is in and of itself just abnormal mm. the other thing i want to mention because you kind of you kind of reminded me of this tj is michael Mann's kind of underrated at this point because we haven't seen him for so long and so a lot of film bros or the film bros. or modern moviegoers whatever don't really i feel like appreciate him as much because he hasn't made movies that often yeah recently and when you go back and watch this film you're like this dude is up there with the greats like Mm -hmm. this film is up there with all those other great films in many ways it's a a goaded film yeah he's Uh he's a he is up there with the best directors i i
1: I think uh in terms of like film culture i think like he in collateral and stuff like that I think they've stayed relevant. Like I, th- I still think that like Heat is in the top 250 on like Letterbox and stuff. Like yes, people it is. still watch and love this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and I don't think that's going away because I mean, like I said, Heat is a pretty, pretty damn good movie. Um, but I think yeah, in terms of like just like normal pop culture, no one, not a lot of people think of him in terms of like, hey, did you catch the new kind of like Tarantino Cameron kind of thing? Yeah. Um. He kind of gets shuffled to the back where it's like, oh, yeah. I, I feel like e- e- even decently, like, basic, like, movie people, they know Heat and they know Collateral and stuff like that. But, like, uh, I think the people, or the guy who be- is behind all those movies is still kind of masked. It's it's kind of like Rob Reiner effect where it's like everyone loves Rob Reiner connection. movies. But, like, to think that they're, oh, hey, all by the same guy. um it, it it's just like oh it's just
0: a group of movies yeah kind of. i really want to see his name pop up right yes yeah not not because obviously you're you're correct with the his the collateral and heat those two movies specifically are yeah mentioned fair are, are a good amount but his name specifically i'd like to see at least up pop there up more, with yeah. o- along with the uh, with the Tarantinos. It does I'm not saying he has, he's better than Tarantino. Yeah. But, but like, I'm he saying deserves the hype. he deserves the hype because he gave us this film, which by the way got zero Oscar nominations. But yeah, you know I saw that. The, the Oscars, um they have some problems. So yeah. Let's I think that's it for the dinner scene. Oh, the last thing I will say uh, there's a couple things I want to mention. One, TJ, you were talking about how it is just a masterclass in screenwriting. Totally agree, and I think one of the best ways to highlight that is the fact that you have Vincent and McCauley who are essentially just doing the showing, not telling—the forbidden thing for writers and screenwriters, whatever—to not to do right because they're literally just laying out their life. Like they meant they literally they they literally in their conversation just list out their resumes and list out their yeah. life. Yeah. And normally that's boring or not entertaining or, like I said, forbidden, but the way it is written is so um, involving and so gripping, the mm-hmm. way they're, they're kind of laying this stuff out, that it totally works when it totally shouldn't. So I think that's something we should definitely mention.
1: Yeah,
0: And then I will also shout out, well, not shout out, but this is a kind of a cool fact that I came across just throughout the last few years after I watched it and stuff like that, which is, and I'm sure you might know this too, TJ, but Al Pacino and De Niro never actually rehearsed the scene. They, Mm. um, they, they kind of went over lines in Michael Mann's office, but it wasn't like, but there was no inflection. There was no nothing. It was just, just monotone reading the lines. And then they, the, the only time they actually like did it start did it legitimately was with the cameras rolling while they were doing it it is really cool thing and i think i think it really did add to it now i don't know what takes they used right because i know they did at least they did at least 10 takes i remember hearing conversation it was it was a decent amount of takes so i obviously don't know we don't know what cuts were used yeah but what clips were used but i i feel like we do get that from them yeah um as and of course they're great actors, so that might be part of, that's yeah. a part of the reason, obviously. Pro maybe might be the biggest reason, probably is, but it is still a fun trivia fact that very well could have influenced the scene, depending on again, what takes they used and yeah. things like that. Yeah. So yeah, that is that is the diner scene. Now we gotta get to Pacino in this film. Yeah. Because he is <laughs> He has, he's something, he I is something, he is, he is great in this film, I, he is eccentric and just weird, strange, but also doesn't take away from more of his serious moments and yeah. serious tones of the film, which I think is just an testament to, of course, him as an actor and whatnot, but I find that really interesting and you're always transfixed on him for that reason too, because mm-hmm. he is that only, really the only character in the film that is doing what yeah, he's gets doing, cr- like weird, and- gets weird and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, TJ, what what'd you think of what you think of Pacino?
1: I love Pacino in this movie. Um, like I said, he's eccentric in this movie, and I think it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> uh, but like you said, at the same time, like he gets he when he gets serious, he, he, it's still like. He balances kind of like the goof with like the seriousness and yeah. like a way that works like in, in just ways that like, oh my God, there's, they're amazing.
0: There's so many performances where that's gone totally wrong, where people yeah. have just gone so overboard with all that quirky, weird stuff. Yeah. Um, and
1: I, I I always loved Pacino in this movie. I, I think he's, I think originally he was my favorite performance of the movie. I still think he is. Um, cause like he's, he's just so bombastic. <laughs> it's just like every scene at the beginning, he's, he's healing something stupid as hell, but like, it just works. Yeah. Like, I love it. Um, and I, I, for me, I think maybe I have to sit on it, but I, I think it might be like
0: a top three, like Pacino performance for me. Probably. I, I'd say, yeah, I would agree. I've taught my head the three, for me, is probably Scarface, Heat, and Godfather. Probably yeah. I haven't
1: seen Scarface, uh, but I'd say yeah, Godfather, Heat, and then um, Sense of a Woman. Yeah,
0: that's, I haven't that's seen that's that one. one, and I haven't seen Godfather too. I know. Oh well, but um, the Michael Corley from the ones, ones that I've seen, I would say those three. Um, yeah, it's are yeah are definitely the ones. But yeah, he he is man. He is, he is everything so wild, I think. And he he's my favorite performance as well in yeah. this film, just because of how unique, how unique he is and how at the flip of a coin, he can just go wild yeah, or whatever. And that's also something that, that, that makes the, the performance great. Um, yeah. And also like all the times that he just does not care or whatever, like so- he go he's, He's in. He goes to the Las Vegas sort of plant or whatever where oh, yeah. the one, the Friends actor. Oh, hey, uh, Hank Azaris? Yeah, yeah, where he's at. And, uh, of course, he has the iconic line in there, too. But where she, the lady or something is there. She's like, you can't go in there. He's like, he's like I don't care or whatever. He's oh, like, it's so good. It's, it's so funny right from the get-go. And... I think one thing that really transfixed me on his performance was his facial expression throughout it. Like, obviously, mm. the dialogue was funny and all that stuff. But, and even also when he was serious, too. Like, both his the his facial expressions, where he was looking and all that stuff was they constantly matched. interesting. And, again, part of that is the fact that he was flipping back and forth between kind of the serious and the more eccentric and, and whatever yeah. sort of sides of him. But also just you could tell when you, when you combine that with the background that we talked about, you really kind of felt like there was an importance to whatever facial expressions he was showing to give yeah. you an insight on what he was thinking and stuff like that. Cause you know, he was smart, had this experience was the quirky, weird guy that he is. So I, I got, I, I kind of noticed that halfway through the film that I was really engaged and focus on him, mm-hmm. his, his, him facially and how he was in that regard more so than De Niro or whatever. Yeah, still focused on him a lot, but yeah, De Niro Pacino was also yeah.
1: I mean, he's half of the heart of this movie.
0: <laughs> yes, and we'll get to him right now because, like you said, TJ he is half the heart and is a great counterweight mm-hmm. to Pacino. Yeah, and and still holds his own, obviously, because he's not just because he's De Niro, but still holds his own with his performance, yes. which, like I said, is different and. It's different because one of the things that I, at least that I really love about it is he really sells you right from the beginning or not necessarily right from the beginning, but pretty soon that, that he, you, you feel like he could be a smart criminal. Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't have the cliche criminal appearance and whatever. He's not like wing. What's his name? Um, who's the guy with all the tattoos? Um, but what? Wangro oh, from, oh, from, from the movie Okay yeah
1: yeah yeah. I thought you were talking about like a like a character from a different movie and I was like we're oh.
0: going to have to say the movie. I don't. Okay, but yeah, like I was saying you he you he really sold himself as a smart criminal and what despite the fact that he didn't have that cliché criminal appearance like Wangro does, right? Wangro's the guy with the long hair and all the tattoos and stuff like that. He really carried that mastermind vibe with him. Yeah. And also delivers, Pacino, as we said, delivers some great lines, but De Niro has a lot of great lines too. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite lines in this film and quite possibly one of my favorite lines just in general, and I'll read the conversation because it's better with it. It's when he's talking to Van Sant, who's the guy that, the rich guy that, um, yeah. Yeah. So basically it goes, um, Van Sant goes, what are you doing? And Neil Macaulay says, "What am I doing? I'm talking to an empty telephone." And Van Sant says, "I don't understand." And, and Macaulay says, "Cause there's a dead man on the end on the other end of the other end of this effing line." And it's just it's so cold, and his delivery is so perfect, concrete. He's he doesn't he he's reserved, yet you still you still are scared of him. Yeah, which is. In a, just a, in a testament on its own because he isn't that eccentric, very violent I mean of course he, he, he is violent but he's not loud or menacing in any way physically yeah um, but the way he delivers his lines and very has a very menacing quality to them a calm a calm quality that makes you kind of afraid because of his calm tranquil delivery Energy. and performance yeah. and stuff like that which is just, it is, it is just great. And like I said, really is that counterbalance to Pacino and makes his performance um, very notable, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, because it's, it's easy for, it would be easy for him to get caught in the background when you have Pacino who is being as wild as he is, but yeah, he is, he definitely holds up his end of the bargain. He's De Nero.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can't go wrong with De Niro. He's, he's awesome. Um. Yeah, I, I, I think he's a, he's a good reserved performance compared to Pacino, where Pacino goes crazy in scenes. De Niro has, like, a nice calm energy for most mm-hmm. of it. Like, he's menacing, but he's, like, he's menacing in a way that, like, he's just delivering lines. Right. It's not like he's yelling. He's just talking, which is cool. And, um, like I said, it, it, it's a perfect counterbalance to... Uh, like the, for the main characters, um, where usually it's kind of like the, almost the opposite where I, the, um, the the the, 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 like what is considered like the villain, uh, is like, oh, the kind of crazy one. He's the one who's, uh, quirky and delivering weird lines and yeah. the main character's like, oh,
0: Val Kilmer or not Val Kilmer. Um, Christopher Walken in a veto kill question <laughs> mark. Oh God. Yes. Um.
1: Oh man. Yeah, something like that. Where it's like, like like a Bond villain. Where it's like the Bond villain is like they're quirky, they're weird. Uh but like to think that like the good style character for this one is more the, the more outlandish and almost like eccentric one. Yeah, it's, it's very it's a it's a bizarre shift that it's cool and I like it. Um. Yeah, I love it. I think it's awesome.
0: Yeah, he. Uh, not, there's very few times where I have as much fun as I have sort of breaking down these two characters and finding their differences, but really mostly their similarities, you know, which mm-hmm. is their drive to, in Macaulay's case, commit crimes and in, in Vincent's case, Vincent Hannah's case, his drive to get rid of the, the uh, scum and villainy and, and criminals on the streets um, and they're, they're, they're really, their blinding and relentless drive to do those things that others don't. And yeah. they're smarts that come with that. But so when you have that and then seeing how they react to each other, like we said, the diner scene and all those other stuff and how they're thinking as a, the film cuts back and forth between them is it, it does make for really interesting conversation and makes the film live on like it does now it's not just face value of De Niro Pacino it's De Niro Pacino putting in some of their as we mentioned with Pacino and we could say the same with De Niro too some of the best performances of their entire career yes and so to see that is really it really does give the each character the values that that do last a long time TJ, do you have a favorite I was gonna ask you this with Pacino, but do you have a favorite Pacino, De Niro line, or yeah, what do you have any lines that stick out to you? I mean there's a lot that stick out.
1: But is there one um, that
0: that you like the most? I think for me, the Pacino one is is the is the don't waste my mother effing time. Sounds pretty good. When he talks to the guy at the at the scrap yard or whatever. And then De Niro, it's the one that I think I listened to as well because, as when he says, "I'm talking to an empty telephone line," your heart just your your whole body just kind of sinks and your heart just skips a beat. You're like, "Oh my gosh, this dude is it's just villainous in every way and is is just relentless and he's a bad bad dude." Yeah. So yeah,
1: I don't know. I can't think of any off the top of my head. There's there's lots of great ones that like. When I was watching, I was like, this is
0: this is awesome. Yeah. um, I like his remark when he's at the club, too. when He says, and the scrapyard guy's friend is there, right? They were going to meet later at, like, oh 2 a.m., yeah. he said. <laughs> and he gives him some um, details about, like, cars or something. The cars, right? And, <laughs> and Pacino's like, hey, do you want a, a Junior G-Man badge or whatever <laughs> after that? It's like... It, it, it's, yeah. it's all the little quips he has there. it's all the quips yes that's a good that's a good point it is make it. yeah it's, it's awesome. the it's the lines that you don't see coming and just kind of trail trail conversations that just it's complete so it his his more his, his eccentric side when he yeah. does show it so yeah i think now it's time to get to our what we who we want to be our friend of the podcast and who we do like dearly which is val kilmer Hmm. he's he's kind of our guy we kind of have a a group of guys for the podcast that are what we like to think are our homies and uh and val kilmer is one of them we always you and i have said this before tj and we're not alone other people have said that val kilmer had that acting potential to win an oscar like he committed he had oscar level acting And to me, this is one of, I don't know how many films, but one of the very, very, not very few films, but one of the films that shows that. Because you have two of the all-time greats, and you're the third build. It's I can't remember who's first, but it's basically Al Pacino, De Niro, and then on the build, you're right there. It's Val Kilmer's third. I think so, And at least that's what it shows on my... Uh, DVD, I, uh, I or think yeah. Blu-ray. I, think,
1: I think when the ending credits
0: started, I think it is Pacino, De Niro, um, uh, Kilmer. Yeah. So when you your third when you're the third guy, build and the two above you are De Niro and Pacino, and then you also commit the performance that Val Kilmer had with these two. Of course, it's less screen time, but you could really tell that this guy was holding up his own against yeah, goes hard. two of the greats because. You have a few of the other guys that get some screen time and have some time to shine, but just you can clearly tell it's Pacino, De Niro, Val Kilmer drop off. Everyone still does a great job. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. There's like, there's no weak point in this film. There may be a couple lines that are kind of sort of funny at times, but the way they're delivered, but not really. It's there's everyone's holding their ground, but what I'm trying to say here is that Val Kilmer doesn't necessarily just, Val Kilmer doesn't necessarily just hold his ground. He's, you can actually tell, Hey, this dude is like, you can, this guy is up there with these, these main two goats. Yeah. And doing a, a very convincing job.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, also I think it's just a thing of like, at the time he was one of the bigger names. I mean, I think it was, Pacino, De Niro, Kilmer were like the big three. They're the pr- people you're going to put on the poster and all that, right? Um, where everyone else, like, they're big now. Like, I mean, it's Danny Trejo and Natalie Portman and the guy from the Allstate commercials and stuff like that. Like, pe- people that we all recognize, know. Um, but like, they they're not as big as those three. Yeah. Um, like, you're not going to put Danny Trejo or. Um, the guy from Las Vegas—that's the voice of Apu in the Simpsons. I can't remember his name. Uh, like someone like that. You're not gonna put them on there. Mm-hmm. But I think it's—it's it's one of those things where it's like they're the big—they're the big three. They're the show, or like most of the show at least.
0: Right. You're here for them. Like let's be real. Yeah, you are here for them. That is true. But I do again want to emphasize that just because that is true it doesn't mean that these other guys like Trejo is putting oh, in a yeah. bad performance. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're yeah. definitely all convincing, but yeah. you are a hundred percent right in what you were just saying.
1: Yeah. And uh, yeah, they're all, they're, they're, they're small pickings at the moment Mm-hmm.
0: They're, they have yet to start their career. Truly one other line. This reminded me of our conversation here. Reminded me of this one other line that, and I can't remember the name of the actor. I'm trying to find him on the list here, but when they're when they're having the conversation, I think it's in an empty lot about whether they should do the bank heist still. Mm-hmm. And the one guy says the action is the juice. I can't remember the name of that actor, but that might be my favorite line, just because you're. Oh yeah, the. Uh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you're just kind of like, what is he trying to say here? Kind of confusing. You kind of get what he's saying, but you kind of don't get what he's saying. I, I kind of love that, that duality of that line. So that might actually be my favorite line. Just want to shout that out. But um, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. But anyway, yeah, back to Val or Guy Val. I think what, what confirmed my, my my kind of hunch that he was really up there with De Niro and Pacino in, in this film, because I couldn't remember him too well yeah. from when I first watched it. I first watched it four years ago or something. It had been a while three or four years ago is his combination of of violent and monotone acting Mm -hmm. the way he displays both of that um the rage but the way he performs in a calmer setting with with more regular dialogue whether it's De Niro right when he's at De Niro's house after he kind of has that rough night where his wife wants needs wants to stay home with the kid and Val's like no we got to go out or whatever the morning that follows, their kind of conversation, um, kind of individual small moments like that, yeah. is really what made me realize that it wasn't just a oh I'm wanting this to happen. I want Val to be as good as these guys because we like him a lot, but he really is just as good. This is good, and he is definitely deserving of again being third build and 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 uh, deserving of being. Compared to these two guys in in some ways, at least. Yeah. In the film. For, for his parts, he does. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is some great stuff. Yeah. The other two scenes I want to talk about is the bank shootout scene. Because we yeah. need to get to that. We haven't really talked about that. And the airport scene at yeah. the end. So, the bank shootout scene, which is really where the... Just the whole bank section... It's where the action heats up again after the yeah. background that we talked about and things like that, and it is. I, I wrote this down in my notes that just came off came off my mind when I thought of it. The first three things that I think of when I think of this scene is loud, violent, and real. Because, well, you know why it's it's loud and violent, obviously, but it's it's real because. And this is one thing that I love about Michael Mann is he knows his sense of space. Like he knows where his characters are. He knows where his characters are moving to. I think collateral is another great example of this in the city of LA, which is also in LA, but he knows where his characters are and knows where his characters need to move in a realistic way. It's not like in a lot of action movies in the nineties and the eighties, people would get away with kind of placing characters and moving characters in a in a way that didn't maybe that made you not aware of it necessarily, but definitely weren't as natural or as authentic as you see these characters move in all the film, but all but specifically we really see it in the bank shootout scene. Yeah. I think what kind of tipped me to it was this is a really small moment, but Val Kilmer is I think is this when he's shot? No, no, this is before he he's shot. So right they're trying to escape the cops and he's moving from van to van, he's moving from car to car and there's a there's a scene there's a moment where before and after the cut he's making the same progression to the same spot to the same vehicle mm-hmm. in a mannerly time frame and I was like holy crap I I don't remember there. the yeah. the last time that a film was actually like this genuine with make with making sense in how a character actually moves or how people actually move in a scene yeah. and the
1: continuity it, of it all actually makes
0: sense. It does. And it just it the 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 realism at all of it all and is 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 there because of that and also keeps you stuck in in that illusion, you know?
1: Yeah. Um I mean yeah, I mean just for the, like the bank shootout scene. I mean it's it, 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 it I mean it's um like the the diner scene from earlier it's another uh scene that i think have like transcended time mm-hmm. uh where this is more action and i think like i said this is how to make a truly real so like style action scene um where it's not like crazy guns blazing kind of thing where it's like oh it's it, i mean they're escaping the cops but at the same time there's like a sense of like this isn't happening yeah this is this this never happened um it has a sense of like oh I'm it, it feels like you're standing on the side of the street watching cops fire robbers it's there is a sense of just like oh this could it, it this could happen it's not just like it, it it's not Keanu Reeves jumping over everyone and what blasting them with shotguns and stuff like that yeah it's and and, and it's not like and, I mean, the, the the body count for it, like, it, it's, it, it doesn't show, like, people, like, getting crazy chowed. other than a few, like, I mean, like, they show one guy, or the guy from Monk, um, I can't remember his name. I, I don't think I ever knew the actor's name. It's like Hank something, I think? Yeah, the guy who's in Monk is Buffalo Bill. Is or, no, one. Tank, what was I? Ted Levine is his name. Ted Levine. Hank, yep, that's that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like, they show him, but, like, he's a main character, but, like. Or like a I main character because he's like he's still, He's been around since like the beginning of the movie, um, but like it's not like they're showing like cops specifically, like or like the like they're not they're not making it a point, like or like well they kind of they, they kind they of do, do they I do mean, at, they, they do at times but like yeah it, it's not like the big focus it's mm-hmm. um it's almost like collateral damage almost it's that's yeah it it's not like they're purposely going to show it. If they show it when they kind of want to, almost. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, which, I think to put right to put a a darker tone and a more uh, yeah serious sort of emphasis on the fact that this is doing a lot of damage to yeah. It's um, not all show.
1: Yeah, it, it it's. I like it. I, I think I think it's it's an effective action scene that I think
0: most things just don't have the power to replicate Mm -hmm. it's smooth in in every manner and i think it it is that is also a good word just to describe the whole movie is smooth yeah like everything is rounded and there's nothing unfinished it feels like Mm -hmm. and that is of course why we get into this illusion that you and i got into with watching it is because there's no there's no hiccup and it is because of like i said the logical ways the characters move. It's like what you were saying, TJ, with how it was, what it was and wasn't emphasizing in the scene. And it comes together nicely. Yeah. I also love the... I I also love the gunfire a lot, just the sound of it. And I was also wondering, and this kind of it on my second watch, it sounds different than a lot of gunfire in... It's in, a lot more authentic. It's a lot more authentic. And I was and I was wondering what why that was, and fortunately I came across this in my research. It's because Mann didn't dub any of the gunshots. All of the gunshots were the all those sounds were on set, and Michael Mann was carefully placing mics close to the to the mm. guns while they were shooting off the blanks. And so that made a f- that made so much more sense because one of the things that makes this, sh- this sequence so good and so real is the echoes that go throughout the, the uh, streets with all the tall yeah. buildings. And that made so, so much more sense as to why it is as real as, as it is. And every time I say real, someone should just take a shot. Um, <laughs> so that, that was a really cool, really cool, uh, a trivia fact there. Okay. And I think another reason why it's so good and why we like it so much is how much of it, how opposite, it, how much of it, it's, it's such a polar opposite to the 45 minutes before. It's sort of like we get this background, we get a lot of calm sort of stuff, and then we jump into the action. It is it is vibrant, it is big, it is loud, it is everything. And it just, it makes, it gives it it gives it an emphasis, the whole scene an emphasis, but really, and really brings a lot of power to it. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else I wanted to mention? Hmm. Oh, I also I also want to talk about just or mention at least that it, it's it's also crazy how long it is too. I mean, a yeah. lot of other films that might have a scene similar to it would it would be half as long maybe, but this thing really sulks in the moment. Yeah, it's like ten minutes long. Almost. It is it is freaking long, and yeah. well, I think ten
1: minutes probably plus the i'm inside the bank but right
0: right uh, regardless it's long it is it is long but not but it's not that's not a bad thing no, that's I a like good that. thing yeah 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 it really is it, it um you really do get to sit there with the with the actors and mm. sort of take it in take it in and, and understand what's going on yeah all right last scene that i want to talk about is the airport scene mm-hmm. the end of the movie the end of the movie so this this whole sequence, this whole scene reciprocates a lot of the gr- stuff that we like about the bank the bank heist about the, the the realism behind it. The one of the better examples in this last part of the film is the airplanes, the sound of the airplane and the yes. lights that are flat, that are going on and off with with the airplane and and on the ground as well when they land really is real and then he also has that sense of space too with where the characters are running from. Like they're running across tarmacs, running to like those uh, generators or whatever they're around. I don't know at some point, but in those small little buildings as well. But um, yeah, it is great. The one thing that is different though, and this is actually a moment in the film itself and is quite touching and something that for me came out of left field almost was that subtle but important and also focused on um, sort of handshake that they have at the end there, the grappling Mm -hmm. of each other's hand. And I thought that was – it was super powerful and I think solidifies what we knew all along, which was that these guys are really equals. They really do treat each each other as equals and respect each other and also highlights – that and I also think it's interesting because you know as Neil Macaulay mentions he was kind of alone. He's been alone all of his almost all of his life, his, his criminal life at least, with no one. But when he dies, he had someone there with him. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a nice sort of Im- there was some nice sort of imagery there and nice nice sort of uh, touch there with that with that little piece and really wraps a nice bow on what is Michael Mann's masterpiece or Triple M, as we like, yeah. as as I was talking about earlier. So, yeah, that is that is Heat. Yeah. Great film. Five out of five for me. It is, well, I mean, there's not much to say. It is, it is Michael Mann's masterpiece. I'm so glad Mann brought Al Pacino and De Niro together. Yeah, thank no. goodness. Because it was turned out amazing
1: yeah i wonder if they had like anyone else in the running for the weed too to like uh like if either of them couldn't
0: make yeah. it. yeah i so with all the research that i did or the what i was coming across at least i didn't do a ton of it but what i came across it sounded like it was always going to be those two those two is what it sounded like I there was never something where it was like oh it's gonna be this person or this person but yeah it was, yeah. seemed to always be those two which well, makes wondering. sense because when you build And write performances like these that man did, it makes sense why you would get need those two or get those two. Because it wouldn't as much as we did talk about how great the writing is, which it is, you still need those heavy hitters. You still need the heavy hitter Al Pacino and De Niro to really solidify that totally. Because, for example, let's say he got De Niro or he got Pacino but maybe got an actor that isn't quite as good but puts in but puts in an acting performance that is basically on point with Pacino's it still wouldn't be the same because outside of the film you fe- you feel that De Niro and Pacino are equals so yeah. when that comes into their characters it, the foundation is just rock solid because you see the actors as equals and then you see them placing these characters that treat each other as equals and seem like equals as far as, as far as, uh, how intellectual they are and things like that. So I think it is, it really does sell it completely. Interesting. Hmm.
1: So originally it looks like this was going to be a TV show. Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the pilot is called "L.A. Takedown." You can watch it. It's like it's it looks like it's only like ninety minutes or something. Hmm. Um. And it has the guy who's Yondu from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy.
0: Oh, nice! What is his name? Michael Rooker or whatever.
1: Yeah, has him, and then uh, has another big actor in it from Japan. Huh. Interesting.
0: Um, oh, yeah. Anyway, I will run through some Pop Quiz hot shot facts, which we haven't done Pop Quiz Hotshot in a while because we haven't really done any uh, movie-centered episodes in a while. But I will get through those, and then we will wrap things up. So when Kevin Gage was imprisoned for two years in 2003, he was, and Kevin Gage plays Wayne Grow. He was universally addressed by fellow inmates and prison guards as Wangro, his character from this movie. Hmm. In the director's commentary, Michael Mann told that Al Pacino improvised the line because she's got a great you-know-what. <laughs> Hank Azaria confirmed it, saying that Al Pacino's unexpected outburst <laughs> scared the hell out of me. This is in, that's in quotes. He just actually terrified me, also in quotes. And that his look of shock was not acting at all. (laughs) In June of 2002, the scene involving the shootout after the bank robbery was shown to United States Marine recruits at MCRD San Diego as an example of the proper way to retreat while under fire. I did not know that. What I did know, though, was that Val Kilmer was thrilled. Well, I didn't know Val Kilmer's response to it, but... Val Kilmer was thrilled to learn that the moment in the gun battle scene where he runs out of bullets and rapidly changes his magazine is regularly shown to Marine recruits as an example of how to perform the action properly. I did know that, and I do know that they, that they spent an extensive amount of time with gun training, Pacino, De Niro, and Val Kilmer, and it really shows and adds to the authenticity that we've been harping about throughout, yeah. the, throughout the episode and, and really also in that, in that, bank, that bank shootout scene. All right, we have three more for the restaurant sequence where Macaulay and Hannah finally meet. Michael Mann ran two cameras simultaneously in order to generate a greater level of fluidity between both rivals. Since there were no rehearsals for the scene, this approach afforded both men. Oh, wait, I don't know what I was. I I blanked there for a second. Sorry, I, uh, I went off into another universe. This approach afforded both men a more generous margin uh, for improvisational ex- experimentation. We also use that word <laughs> or uh, variations of that word throughout the the episode as well, which is how yeah. fluid and, and round and smooth this all is, and that that sure does not knows. surprise me at all. Although that is very unique, um, but I think is a is a goat choice by by man and and literally. What him, we were talking about yeah. makes him like those exam Those that's an, a small example. Of what makes him as good of a director as he is? Mm-hmm. It's understanding that. Oh, never mind. That's it. So that is it for Pop Quiz Shot. That is this. That is it for us, TJ.
1: Yeah.
0: When we'll be back, we'll be doing our usual stuff, which is insulting each other. Unfortunately, I can't punch TJ like I because we're gonna be back at college but they'll I'll verbally assault him at least. So that'll be okay. I'll, I'll get my kicks that way. Oh boy. <laughs> um, so without further ado, thank you so much for listening. TJ and I are going to watch Dr. No on the mm-hmm. big screen yeah. for the 60th anniversary. We are very surprised as you can see we, uh, well, hey, there you go. We like our bond stuff. So, and as you can tell from our episodes, so, uh, without further ado, we will catch you in the next episode of The Manic Oohie Misfits podcast. See ya. See ya.